Talk Radio 96.7. Oh, yeah. It's the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Oh, yes. Brought to you by Foshi Jewelers, your one-stop jewelry shop, and by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. The sports world often gives us stories that are frightening, heartbreaking, uplifting, sometimes all at the same time. One such story we have here in Lakeland, uh, Lakeland Highlands Middle School athlete, young Jade Bailey, seventh grader there. Uh, we s- spoke a little bit about it last week, how she took ill and, and was uh, dealing with a, with a very frightening and nearly deadly illness. And we talked about uh, the Facebook site, Jade Strong, and we promised we'd follow this and see uh, and update you all as it went on. And to do that, helping us tonight... The administrator of Jade Strong on Facebook, and Jade's stepdad, Matt McPhail, joins us in the Ozone. How you doing, Matt? Coach Joe here. Hey, Joe. It's, uh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for joining us. I know it's not easy to uh, relive the story, but to catch our listeners up on, on what was going on was that uh, Jade, who's very athletic, a, a terrific athlete in a number of sports, uh, especially in soccer, I've called called her games in the past and and mm-hmm. you know and and perfectly healthy and suddenly she was sick just almost out of the blue yeah she um you know she's a healthy kid all she's ever really had she gets some seasonal allergies like every kid you know uh, a uh cough here and there stuffy nose and whatnot but um she uh came home from volleyball practice one night and just said she had a little headache and and uh, her nose was running so we really didn't think too much of it um Took her to the walk-in clinic the next day. They looked her over, gave her some uh, Z-Pack, and sent her home. And um, we thought everything was good. And just out of safety, we did go ahead and give her a COVID test at home. And she did end up testing positive for COVID. Um, and that's kind of where it all started. And that was back um, probably later later half of January. Um, and everything kind of kind of just stayed that way. Uh, the fever went away. Um, but she kept getting these headaches. And she would be herself during the day and get a headache at night. And we weren't quite sure what was going on. So we ended up taking her back to Watson Clinic and they did an x-ray and discovered some blocked sinuses and uh, discovered it was, they called it sinusitis, uh, you know, pretty good sinus infection. We've all had that, you know? <laughs> right. And kids right. especially, you know, I mean, right? It's, again, still, it's, you know, it's normal. Um, and our concern at this time wasn't that she wasn't going to get better. It's that with these headaches, they were keeping her out of school. And how do we just manage uh, getting her better with, you know, not getting too far behind, missing, you know, days of school, because this had been going on for about a, about a week at this point. Um, so Watson gave us some more antibiotics for the for the sinus infection, and, you know, the headache consist, went on for another day. And uh, But, you know, and again, she's, she's herself 80% of the day and then just has these headaches. But uh, that Saturday, I won't forget, it's February, it was February uh, 2nd, the headache just never went away all day. Um, and then at night, the headache kept going, and I noticed she was getting a little, she was starting to get a little nauseous. And then she started seeming a little confused, and I knew at that point, like, there was something more going on. So we took her to uh, the emergency room, the Peds emergency room at Lakeland Regional, and they ran a battery of tests, um, MRIs, CTs, um, CAT scans, and finally ended up doing a uh, even a, a spinal tap, a lumbar puncture on her. And their, their fear at that time, yeah, and uh, their fear at that time was meningitis. So they ended up admitting her right away with what we thought was meningitis, and that's kind of where this all started. 
um, well, started. That's where we, <laughs> the hospital portion of the journey started. So, yeah, it was kind of a long road getting there. Um, but uh, they admitted her right away. Again, they were talking meningitis. And we were admitted, we were probably only admitted at Lakeland about 36 hours. Um, a new doctor had come into the PEDS unit and discussed, looked at some of the MRIs and discovered what they had actually found was there some of the infection, which um, they still don't know what the bacteria caused. And I can go into that later if, if necessary. But um, what we think is from the sinus infection actually spread to part of her brain. And um, she had developed what's called a subdermal empyema, which is an infection, like a pus-type infection between the, the layer of bone skull and the, and the brain. And it was putting pressure on her brain, and she basically lost all of her cognitive speech function, a lot of her movement in her uh, right side and her right, you know, the right side of her face, very much like a stroke. And um, so Lakeland contacted the Moors, and luckily they have a great relationship with them. And um, Monday morning they flew Jade. Uh, that would have been Monday the fourth. They flew Jade over to Orlando in a helicopter, and. Um, by that Monday night, she had had another MRI and was having a procedure to put have a tube put into her brain to to drain the infection out. So, wow, that is so that's so difficult to go through. And I imagine, yeah. especially in the recovery process, uh, uh, took was very painful. And she was there for eighteen days. Is that right? She she was there. Yeah, from our from our initial um, showing up at Lakeland on the second until she just came home this uh, this past Tuesday, the twenty first. Wow. Um, and so she spent all of that, but two nights, uh, all but two nights were in um, the pediatric intensive care unit. Um, and she, you know, she, the infection went away. She was treated through different um, IV antibiotics, as well as some, you know, some pain meds. And she had some seizures following her procedure. Um, to the medical team there, they said it was completely normal following the procedure, but obviously as a parent seeing it, um, was one of the scariest things that uh, I know her dad, Justin, and, and mom, Kelly. And look, I don't want to say luckily I wasn't there that night. But, um, I know that was extremely hard for, for them to watch. Well, um, it, it, it was it's definitely something that, that affected the whole Lakeland Highlands community. And uh, I know that, that, that her teams have rallied around her with, the, with Jade Strong, which uh, you started on Facebook. And is, is that available anywhere else, by the way? Uh, or is, is Twitter, um, is that no, a Facebook we, site? Yeah, we all just kind of uh, – so um, Jade's, Jade's mom and dad are divorced, and so I'm married to uh, Jade's mom. And then Dad, uh, Justin's girlfriend Alicia, uh, the four of us were getting so many updates. I decided to kind of start that that page, and we had all kind of commonly had Facebook. That was the one page all four of us had. Um, and so we, I kind of started that as a forum to get the message out to all the friends and family and everybody that was kind of asking for updates. And, 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 really and, and the latest Jade is know that it, she was supported. Matt, the latest is she's she's home now for the last couple of days, and. Uh, uh, I believe she's uh, doing a lot better, right? She is. She's doing so much better. She is home. She, um, like I said, she got discharged on Tuesday. Um, she will do a couple weeks still of IV antibiotics at home through a pick line that they have put in. Um, and she's on some oral medication for a while. And then uh, hopefully by next week, she'll be starting all her therapy, her uh, PTOT and, and speech. But 
you know, for most people, if you just walked up and saw her in a restaurant and didn't know her, she looks uh, like a normal 13 year old again. And it's, it's just absolutely amazing from what she went looking like, you know, a week or two ago to how far she's come. It's just a testament to these kids and how strong they are and how resilient their bodies are. Yeah, it's an amazing story. You know what I'm looking forward to, Matt, is I know she's going to be out for uh, for a while and recovering. It's yeah. going to take a long time. But I'm looking forward to a year from now, uh, hopefully calling one of her soccer games and seeing her score a goal. I, I just know I just know that's going to happen, and I, I'm really uh, <laughs> we're really we want to we want to stay in touch here at the Ozone. You let Jade know yeah, she has absolutely. her full support. And, and Matt, when she's feeling up to it. Okay, uh, yep. we want to have uh, Jade here in studio with us during a show. We'll we'll give her a couple of things to do. You know, we we sometimes uh, bring in young people to help to help help us through a show, and and we we don't, when she's feeling up to it, we want to invite her to do that. Sure. You, you you and uh, and Justin, you guys can let me know when when that would be a good time. Maybe sometime next month. Yeah, that would be great. I know that she would love that. She's um. She, she'd love to get up there and, and experience that. And, you know, we're having to hold her back and remind her she's not 100% yet or she'd be out on the soccer field next week if we let her. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, um, it's, it's an amazing story, and, and you guys uh, have been through so much. And to, to come on the show and share that with us because we're all, we're all concerned. We really appreciate it, Matt. And, and we look forward to talking to you guys some more and having Jay come into the studio uh, in a few weeks when she's feeling up to it. Absolutely. Oh. And Joe, I, I just want to say as a, as a parent, obviously, you know, we're, um, we're so happy that Jade's, Jade's uh, feeling better and is at home and is well on the road to recovery. But um, through the page, as you mentioned, the amount of support that's just outboard from friends, family, teammates, but, but beyond that to so many people we never even know, have known or met in the community that have just reached out and shared their, their love and support and prayers for Jade and our family and, it's um I'm tr- we've I think we've all truly been humbled by it and so appreciative of the support and um, definitely makes me appreciate our community here so much more. Well, thank you, Matt. We appreciate you and 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 you give Jade our best and and you, t- you tell her to get strong stronger soon and we'll look forward to talking to her here in the ozone Absolutely. soon and and talking to you again soon. Thank you, Matt. We really Absolutely. appreciate it. That, yeah, no problem. Thank, thank you, Joe. You. Thanks. That's Matt McPhail. Look uh, for Jade Strong on Facebook, J-A-Y-D-E-S-T-R-O-N-G. Jade Strong on Facebook, an amazing story. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, then we're going to be back with Holly Kane to talk about the amazing stories that occurred at Daytona this past weekend and other things in the racing world here in the Ozone. You're with Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Otis Birdsong, formerly of the Winter Haven Blue Devils and four-time NBA All-Star, and you are listening to the great Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone is brought to you tonight by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash, and by Foshi Jewelers, your one-stop jewelry shop. Ronnie O's out. Coach Joe is in. And we really enjoyed talking to Matt McPhail there in the last segment and uh, talking about uh, Jade Bailey, the young athlete who had taken very ill, spent 18 days in the hospital, and now on the long road to recovery. We're wishing her the best. Jade Strong, J-A-Y-D-E-S-T-R-O-N-G, on Facebook if, to get more information about how she's doing and to send your support as well. And now let's uh, turn to this. Uh, what happened this past weekend. You know, now that, As soon as football season ends, you know, one of the things that makes it a little bit easier 
to deal with is the fact that we know that Daytona is here and the beginning of the NASCAR season. And that means, at long last, the offseason's over and we get to talk again with uh, the great NASCAR Wire Service writer, Holly Kane, and Channel 13 star as well. <laughs> How are you? Great, great. They need your your segment needs to be longer. That's the consensus. I, I talked to Ronnie uh, about this just yesterday, and he said, "Holly, we need more Holly on Channel 13." <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Trust me, it's always an honor to be asked to be on there. Yeah, no, that, I, um, I I really enjoy that the program that they do. It's almost almost better than the national pre pre race show, <laughs> which uh, but well, they really spend. A- they really spend a lot of time figuring out not only great national angles, but local angles. And there are a whole lot of them here in Florida and central Florida in particular. So it's always good. Well, I want to sing your praises because you, you go out on a limb, you make a prediction and you picked Kyle Bush. And now look, the, the final numbers show that he finished 19th, but the plain fact of the matter is that race he was about to win when things went sideways at the end. Thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, he took it hard too. Kind of give us an idea of exactly, you know, with about five laps to go, he was looking like he was going to win this race. And then kind of tell us what happened because it all happened so crazy. It was kind of hard to follow. Well, it really was. And, you know, what's interesting about Kyle Bush, who's a two time champion in the sport, he has gone into the Daytona 500 and he's led the most laps in the Daytona 500 and had something crazy happen and not been a factor at the end. And then this year, here he was leading lap 200, a factor at the end, but not necessarily having led all these laps earlier in the race, only to have a caution come out uh, when Daniel Suarez spun, and it regrouped the field, and then there was a caution again on the restart, a multiple car crash uh, that ultimately ended up taking out his teammate Austin Dillon and collecting him and several other cars, and then another crash uh, on the ensuing restart. NASCAR froze the field, reviewed the tape, uh, or the film, I guess it is now, (laughs) and said, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., you're the winner of the Daytona 500. And I have to say, it's been three years in a row now. If you go back to Michael McDowell winning, uh, rookie Austin Cendrick winning last year, and now Ricky Stenhouse Jr., that I would be willing to say were not necessarily the names that people had circled before the race is winning uh, NASCAR's biggest race, but it certainly makes for a great story. Well, of course, it was well known that my prediction <laughs> would have been for, yes. <laughs> would have been uh, NASCAR Series defending champion Joey Logano, who, um, by the way, crossed the finish line first <laughs> on that last lap, uh, but under the As rules of overtime. Us. <laughs> yeah, yes. under the rules of overtime. I mean, these are the rules. If they make it to the white flag lap, the last lap, and there's a subsequent caution, the race ends with whoever happened to be in front at that moment. Joey was in the lead in the first quarter of that uh, f- uh, last lap and had just been—Stenhouse uh, was a, uh, maybe a fraction ahead of him— at the moment of impact. In fact, I think at moment of impact, Joey was still leading, but by the time they actually hit the caution button, I think Stenhouse had inched in front. That's how I saw it anyway. Um, Joey took it better than I did. (laughs) He did. He was smiling when he got out of the car, you know. Of course, he is a very jovial person and smiles even through the pain that obviously, you know, winning that race would would have done for him. And You know, something very interesting as I was preparing to write about it is it's been forever well actually since denny hamlin had won back-to-back daytona 500s it's such a rare thing 
to happen. Um, and so I was very curious to see, you know, was Austin Cindric going to be able to pull that off? But, you know, the big names like Joey Logano, the reigning series champion, he's, you know, got to be considered a favorite going into this. And uh, so it, I think it was extremely tough. And nobody likes to have a finish called upon video review, but that's the right thing to do so they can see who truly is leading at that point. Yeah, and that, that was the rule. So, and, and that, uh, yeah, it's a class act. You know, Joey's uh, won Daytona once, so maybe that helped ease the pain a little bit. But, and he has won the Cup Series twice. But he has suffered some really tough losses, and he just powers through it. I guess uh, he's, uh, he's, it's the racing mentality, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's actually a good lesson for all of us. He's, he really handles things very well. Yeah, he did. And, and well, let's talk about the winner, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, interesting story there because he it's the sole car of that team, the JTG Daughtry yeah. Racing. And that Daughtry, uh, you basketball fans might recognize that name. Uh, it's uh, Brad Daughtry, right? The uh, ex-North yes. Carolina player. Absolutely. And an all-around fantastic person. Uh, I, you know, I'm not supposed to feel any sort of sentiment as a reporter but i have this to is say, a safe really space a, you can yeah. <laughs> you can open <laughs> okay, up to us Sorry. <laughs> uh, but he is really a fantastic person and and it's really a great story this is the first single car team to win since 2011 when trevor bain won um and few people will know that name he has that's the only race he's ever won was the Daytona 500 and he was driving for the Wood Brothers which is a very famous NASCAR team so it's been a while since a single car team did this and you know I have to say both um, Ricky and his crew chief Mike Kelly is from Pinellas County and I covered him when he was racing back in the 90s so for me it was kind of special I to you know, have known his crew chief back when he was racing and to see him come through all of this. So it's really a good story, a lot of feel good to it. And, um, you know, we'll see the, the key is now, how do you go forward with your season? But obviously they've got a big dose of confidence. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that has to be, uh, they got a nice congratulations from Michael Jordan. I understand an ex teammate at New North Carolina. I guess they played at the same time or uh, there was some overlap at least. I, I think so. I'm not entirely sure on that. But, yeah, anytime Michael Jordan is congratulating you, it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so so some interesting um, stuff coming up. You know, they go to Fontana in California uh, at uh, the Auto Club Speedway. That's uh, this coming week at the Auto Club 400. Now, that's the last race at Auto Club Speedway. Is that correct? Well, it's the last race until they remodel the Speedway. Oh, okay. So we know that they're not going to race there next year because they're going to completely renovate it, and it's supposed to become a short track because there really aren't any famed short tracks that the series races at, you know, out on the West Coast. So that is the plan. However, they've kind of hedged a little bit. We don't know if it's going to be one year or two years. So we will have to see where that goes. But definitely the last of this formation of the track. And I was there for the very first race. So I remember when it opened up. So I think there's, you know, definitely some, again, some sentimental value uh, to the race this week. And it starts the West Coast swing. They'll race 
in Las Vegas, and they'll race in Phoenix as well before they come back to Atlanta. Yeah, the Las Vegas race, the Pennzoil 400, presented by Jiffy Lou. That's, by the way, the Joey Logano Invitational, in my opinion. <laughs> but, uh, Pretty we'll, much, we'll yeah. See. <laughs> and then Phoenix, the Ruoff Mortgage 500. So that's coming up the next couple of weeks. And uh, one of the people we'll be watching, we watched him at Daytona, looked there like he might pull it off, and then he got into some uh, wreck trouble, too. Of course, we're talking about Jimmy Johnson. He's back. How exciting is that? Well, it is. It's super exciting, and he's going to do only a handful of races this year. So he has announced that he's also going to run the street race at Chicago, right in downtown Chicago. I have great friends, Joan and uh, McKenna Hampton, who live here in Lakeland, and they're from Chicago. I know they're super excited about this and cannot believe, you know, that NASCAR is going to pull off a race around Grant Park in downtown Chicago. So that's the next one we know Jimmy is going to race in for sure. Uh, I've got to ask you, uh, what's the story with Travis Pastrana? Well, he did uh, this one race, and, 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 you know, it's interesting that you say that because after the race I interviewed him, and as he came out of the care center, because he was involved in collecting <laughs> Yeah, one I, of it looked the for a minute like he might win, too. <laughs> they were all right. in contention at the end. Oh, wow. Oh, that, my God. That would have what been crazy. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely would have been. Um, but he did this one race, and he said uh, repeatedly he felt like he was on top of his game, competing, driving a race car, and he wanted to do the Daytona 500. It was kind of a you know, a career checklist for item for him. This is somebody that's won X game gold medals. He competes in everything with four wheels and jumps out of planes with no wheels. Right. <laughs> so he was very eager to do it. And uh, I thought he had a great showing. I mean, for someone that had never turned a lap in one of these NASCAR cup series cars until he was getting, until he was qualifying for the Daytona 500, I think he had an absolutely great outing. It's stunning. I, I can't, I can't even begin to believe that he just kind of said, I think I'd like to race at Daytona, and then pulled it off like that. Oh, yeah. And and, and it just shows how talented he is. I mean, to literally jump into this car and be able to do that, I, I leave there very, very impressed with Travis Pastrana. Oh, amazing stuff. And uh, let's not forget, we haven't had a chance to talk. Your offseason actually ended a few weeks ago uh, in Daytona with the Rolex 24. Uh, and you were there covering that. Uh, the team with Helio, uh, Helio Questron—why do I always have trouble with that? Helio Questron-Navis uh, did right. pretty well it, with Tom Blumquist. Uh, they won it, didn't yeah. they? They sure did. Helio did, and uh, also Simon Pagino, who he is a teammate with on the IndyCar team. And it was really fantastic. Meyer Shank is the name of the team. And Helio, this is his second in a row— um, and that's saying a lot. And he's done it with different teams. Might even be third. I apologize. I'm not looking at my notes. But he has won the Rolex 24 multiple times. So think about this. He's a four-time Indianapolis 500 winner. And he's won the Rolex at Daytona multiple times as well. And, you know, he will be competing, as I said, with Simon Pagano in the IndyCar season opener, which is in St. Petersburg next weekend, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete. Yeah, I guess you'll be covering that. And by the way, it's okay that you don't have your notes. We know that you've been working three consecutive weeks without any sort of a break. This is your one day off. And I guess are you talking to us from the beach or, or uh, <laughs> where are you at? 
I am not, but I, I have to say I have such great friends. They, uh, we went out to dinner tonight and had a wonderful time here in Lakeland. So that was very nice. But, you know, I love talking to you any time I can. There's such great stories in the motorsports world. Uh, there really are, and, and nobody tells them better than you. And thanks on, on, on a rare day off at this very busy time of year for you to, to come and talk to us. Because we're going to talk again soon. Uh, we'll talk uh, after the Grand Prix maybe. We'll, we'll get back and we'll talk some more and catch up a little bit more. Uh, and and see how NASCAR is going. It's just so much uh, uh, great things to talk about with NASCAR. Nobody does it better than you, Holly. And by the way, I I loved the Facebook picture of your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely loved it. <laughs> well, thank you. And, and she can hear you saying that because she's laying right next to me. So, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. I love talking some racing with you, and and appreciate the fact that you always ask great questions and keep up with the sport as well so thank you so much hey it's our pleasure holly thank you for joining us we're going to talk to you again soon have a a great time covering these upcoming races and uh the saint pete grand prix always always a great time absolutely look forward to talking to you thanks again all right thanks great holly kane from nascar wire services joining us tonight oh just uh you know it's we have fun watching the races but then getting to relive them with her like this makes it even more fun and you know who I love watching stuff with, he and, and who I love talking sports with. He's on the line now, joining us in the Ozone, the counselor, the fabled one. How you doing, Rusty? Coach Joe, what's happening? There is so much going on. We are really just trying to jam, jam-pack jam this show. and, and, and It is we, just cray-cray right now. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and, and there is a story that, that broke kind of like yesterday, and we appreciate you uh getting getting uh, on here with us to talk about it a little bit because I'm not sure what to make of it but you are a legal expert beyond compare and uh, well, <laughs> you could so you know I, I I use one word to look at this scenario and it's tragedy mm. I mean this this is just you know to have a woman who has a five-year-old son you know gun violence, I, you know, again, won't get on a soapbox to say, you know, whatever. All I do is look at things from a legal analysis, and I will tell you that it's just very, you know, from all the media accounts and all the information that I've read, it's just highly confusing. It is, and, and to catch everybody, a lot of things, and, and you know, problems were, you know, with social media and and all of these things. You know, you get reports. Did the Alabama coach was his reaction? Underplayed, uh, you know, dismissive, probably. Uh, but you know that that still doesn't affect the facts of the case. Yeah, and the let me let me catch everybody are, up real quick, Rusty, because I, I didn't set this up real well as it came. Right. Uh, is uh, we're talking about Alabama forward Brandon Miller, a fabulous player, a freshman. Freshman and, just have, setting the world on fire. He right really now. is, uh, and he had a teammate who's no longer on the on the Alabama basketball team, uh, Darius Miles, who was has uh, been implicated and charged with uh, felony murder in Alabama in Tuscaloosa for the death of a woman, uh, like Rusty said, who had a five-year-old child as a result of being shot. It's unclear whether Darius Miles actually did the shooting or whether he handed it to the co-defendant well, it, who it, also did who did the shooting. Yeah, also, Kujo, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's shots exchanged, too. Uh, it, it, not only is there shooting from the suspect's end, but there's also return fire from the vehicle. Yes, and, so, and, and the... And the so 
And the reason that Brandon oh. Miller is uh, implicated is this came out in testimony yesterday from one of the detectives that Brandon Miller was the one who brought the gun to the scene that was used <clears throat> to the murder of the woman. So that's where we and are. And, uh, and Rusty, and that's why we asked you to, to join us. Yeah, and apparently there are text messages and, you know, the electronic paper trail, uh, you know, can get people all the time. But, you know, the question becomes from, from a defense lawyer, yes, of course, giving someone a gun, you know, we all look at that and viscerally go, you know, what a, what a retarded thing to do. You've got, you know, you've got to know that if you bring somebody a gun that you can't expect good things to come out of it. But, you know, the issue or the concern that arises in this case is whether Miller knew what was going to happen. And did he help plan or assist the shooter? And, and that's, that's, again, what I think we're going to have to see with the, with the passage and the issuance of time. And Joe knows as well as I do. I don't know what Alabama's rules are, but Florida's rules are is that if the sole evidence to convict Miller – is the co-defendant testimony of someone else that was involved or implicated, it's almost difficult or impossible in the Florida state court to convict Miller of that. So he's either got to make you know, damning statements or admissions in the text messages or statements to law enforcement. You know, again, the question becomes, and this is not a legal question, this is a question of athletic administration, and that is what do you do to a young man who was involved and implicated in this type of conduct. Do you say, okay, we're going to cut him loose and not let him play? Or are you going to let him play? I, I think the fact that Alabama continues to allow him to play and kind of the dismissive uh, uh, statements by the Alabama coach, which they backpedaled on significantly, is a public relations nightmare for the University of Alabama. Yeah, he didn't help himself, the, Coach Nick Oates, with that statement. Uh, to give you some, to give some idea uh, of what we're dealing with and, and why this is such a, a big story in the sports world, uh, Darius uh, Miles, who was immediately kicked off the Alabama team uh, just when it became clear what his role was, he was barely playing at all. He was a fringe player at best. Brandon Miller, on the other hand, is probably one of the best players in the nation. Maybe the number one Superstar. pick, in, maybe the number Superstar. one pick in the upcoming NBA draft. And just if yeah. you're wondering how this would affect him in last night's game against South Carolina, Alabama won 78 to 76 in overtime. He scored 41 of those points, including the game tying layup at the end of regulation, and then the game winning shot at uh, with 0.9 seconds left to carry Alabama. Uh, he is basically a young Kevin Durant. So, listen, here's a statement that I make. Miller is innocent until proven guilty. But does that same presumption and same thing apply to allow him to participate in college athletics? And those are two different standards. And I think, again, that when athletic administrations take a laissez-faire, you know, not doing anything, I mean, look at, look at probably one of the best examples uh, you know, we had it at the University of Florida with, you uh, know, our tight end who ultimately and eventually was charged with, with a murder case. And, you know, they knew that things were going on and they didn't take steps to stop it. Again, I'm not an athletic administrator. I'm a criminal defense lawyer. Yeah. And well, I will tell you that, that he is innocent until proven guilty. It's going to be a difficult case to prove because he wasn't in the vehicle. He wasn't the shooter. 
you know, those sorts of things. But again, as 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 Ricky Ricardo said, Lucy, you got some explaining to do. You well, know, when you yeah. bring a gun to somebody. Yeah, exactly, Rusty. You know, there's, there's, he may not be able, be able to be charged by Alabama authorities, and so far he hasn't been, and so it's not likely that he will. But it, that's not really will. that's not really the standard. It's obviously if he's charged no, and implicated you're, you're, you're in a murder, I, it's I, easy know, to, for the administration Joe, to know what to do. Joe, you and I sit on opposite sides of the aisle, and you know we disagree, you know, all the time. But again, this again is is not this issue is yes, it's about criminal law. But then again, it's about participation in intercollegiate athletics, which I think is, you know, those presumptions, unfortunately, don't apply. You know, and, and if they, he shouldn't be playing, he shouldn't be playing. I, you know, I'm not the athletic director at the University of Alabama. I don't get to make decisions on that, but it, it's giving that program double black eyes right now. Yeah, it really is, and especially the the like you said, their initial response was cavalier. Oh well, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, you know, yeah. There, there's yeah. obviously a lot more to it than that. If you're bringing somebody a gun and that person, yeah, it subsequently kills uh, listen, somebody. You know, the, the, the galactically stupid. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and and whether galactically stupid crosses the line to criminal culpability, that's to be seen, and we need to wait. But again, you know, I, I just think that. What's happened here is a public relations fiasco, and, and, and somebody at the University of Alabama has not looked at this, and I don't want to say spun it correctly, but, you know, you've got, you know, the, the, the parents of this girl, you know, saying, you know, here's this kid, he's continuing to play, and, and I've got a five-year-old who doesn't have a mother anymore. Yeah. And what's that say? And I don't think it says very good. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's bothering a lot of people, uh, the the feeling that if Brandon Miller was more like Darius Miles and just a fringe player and everything right. else being equal, that he would not he would be gone from Alabama immediately. It's well, just that feeling. There was, another, there, was, there was another basketball player, too, that was involved. So, you know, and again, that just raises, again, more questions. But I, I will tell you that, again, this, this is one of those that, when 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 you deal with forgive me young people who sometimes exercise incredibly incredibly poor judgment uh but you know what was it uh Leonard Skinner said a handgun ain't good for killing that's all it's good for you know and and you know to be involved in guns uh you know particularly as a as a student athlete representative of the University of Alabama that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, that that's the other thing about it, too, just driving around with a gun at that young young age. Uh, now, obviously, that might not be and, breaking you know, a law, but and, it's and, it's really asking you know, for trouble, isn't it? I, I, again, have in my 40-year legal career have seen so much misery from guns. And again, I'm not going to say, you know, control them, you know, register them. That's, again, not for me to decide. But this is just, this is just, again, to finish up the word that I used, tragedy. And the tragedy continues to get more tragic by the hour. 
Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, no, no question about it, Rusty. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned your defense attorney now, but of course, you, you also used to be a prosecutor. So you're the one sure. you're one person who, who can see the angle from both sides in terms of right. what should right. or shouldn't happen regarding the legal system. But uh, well, and again, you know, if, if the testimony is just based upon the other participants, that's a, that's a hole in a case. And, and that's a truckload of reasonable doubt. But again, I, I just am I'm, I'm, uh, you know, you, people don't look at, we look at things and go, you know, athlete, should he play, should he not, whatever, whatever. This, there are people that are, that are just absolutely, completely hurting and grieving. And we've kind of, I think, by looking at this, people have lost the focus on that. And that's what should, we should be focusing on, that people, people are, this is a tragedy, people are hurting, and they need to be protected under the system all right yeah well no easy answers no doubt but uh definitely a lot of insight rusty we really appreciate it and yep. uh, uh thanks thanks for joining us tonight man uh, uh, my pleasure joe yeah I, right. i'll talk Good to night. you soon buddy thanks that that is the fabled counselor who uh, on on short notice because this is a developing story coming on here and helping shed light on what is an emotional issue and what uh, there's a lot of anger on both sides. But like Rusty said, it's a tragic situation in the world of sports, and it, it just raises so many questions and so many issues. We're definitely going to keep an eye on this, especially. Uh, Brandon Miller as Alabama begins its march toward madness and see how they uh, how they do. They're currently ranked number two in the country, and they had a huge win at South Carolina last night. So uh, success on the court, but at what cost? Uh, that's always the big question, isn't it? Well, we're going to have a happier question coming up after the break in which you can win $30 to the Lakeland Ale House here in the Ozone. Coach Joe Joining you, Talk Radio 96.7, WLKF. Hi, this is Cody Lostro, PBR World Champion, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Hey, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone tonight, brought to you by Foshi Jewelers, your one-stop jewelry shop, and by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. Coach Joe back in the Ozone. Ronnie, by the way, is on assignment tonight. He is back from vacation. Spoke with him yesterday. He is, uh, Eric, he's at the Lakeland Football Banquet where they're honoring uh, Coach Bill Castle, who's uh, retiring after this season, which was a successful one, another state championship for the Dreadnoughts. So congratulations to them. Ronnie will have some good stories for us uh, from there and uh, maybe a guest or two uh, coming up. I know he's working on that as well. We'll look forward to seeing him back here in the Ozone next week when we'll I'll be when the band will be back together again, Eric. All right, let's put the band back together. <laughs> yeah, but in the meantime, I still plan on giving away thirty dollars to the Lakeland Ale House for answering a simple sports question. Brought to you by Lakeland Ale House at fifty six fifty South Florida Avenue, where you can have drink and meal specials every night. And uh, I try to go there as many different days as possible because all those specials are so fantastic. Uh, and uh, of course, forty strategically located TVs. They are so good. They they take such good care of you when you're there. What do you want to watch? What's on? The other patrons who are there, you know, they, they have a TV to watch and can always divide it up really well. And you never miss a thing when you go to the Ale House. Our good friend Jorge, the manager there, always takes great care of his customers. And he'll take great care of you with the $30. If you can answer this simple sports question, uh, if you were listening earlier, you know the answer. Ah, uh, who won Daytona on Sunday? <laughs> Daytona 500, who won? 
Simple, simple question. 682-1430. 682-1430. Call in. And, uh, oh, by the way, Brian, uh, you can't call in. You won last week. It, it, he got on after the show was over, but he did answer that question. He knew that Rondé Barber wore number 20. Congratulations, Brian, last week. Don't want to uh, fail to mention one of our loyal listeners uh, who got $30 richer. And now it's your chance, 682-1430, 682-1430, to answer the question, uh, who won the Daytona 500 this past Sunday? Just a few days ago. <laughs> and if you were listening to the show just a few uh, short minutes ago, you probably heard the answer because we talked about it with Holly Kane, and we appreciate her being on the show tonight. We we appreciate Matt McPhail, of course, Jade Strong, J-A-Y-D-E-S-T-R-O-N-G on Facebook. Check that out. And, uh, of course, uh, the fabled one, the counselor, joining us as well to talk about the Brandon Miller situation, tragedy there in the world of college basketball and just in the world in general. Uh, Wayne, uh, how about ending us on a happy note and winning this thing? <laughs> well, I heard Logano almost won, but I think it was Stenhouse. <laughs> it was Stenhouse, darn it. And uh, I'm thinking of a much different word as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, hey, um, it was it was. Uh, y- uh, you never take the Daytona 500 for granted. Maybe the reason there's so many wrecks at the end of those races is because they want to win it so bad. Because your average NASCAR race, you know, they're not they're not killing each other towards the end of the finish line trying to get there first. But this was, I think, three three wrecks as they tried to get in the last five laps. And it knocked out uh, Kyle Busch. Uh, it uh, knocked out Jimmy Johnson. Brad Keselowski, by the way, I uh, forgot to ask Holly about him. He he had a great chance, too. He's never won at Daytona either. Uh, and then Joey had the lead. For, and then just as that last crash occurred behind him and Stenhouse, Stenhouse had inched ahead when they called the race with about three-quarters of a lap to go. So... Uh, even though it was the 212th lap, so I guess there were more than 500 miles when it was all said and done, <laughs> right, Wayne? Hey, did you? So were you watching on Sunday? I didn't get to go, and uh, I was working, but uh, I heard it was a heck of a race. Uh, yeah, it was. It was tremendously exciting. It's so it's always interesting, you know. We have the Super Bowl to end the football season, and then the following week is Daytona, which is their Super Bowl, but it actually begins the NASCAR season. Yeah. Make that uh, you make Daytona. You make your year. That's uh, that's your whole year right there. It, it really it does. It does. It makes a career. You know, in, in a lot of ways because uh, you're measured. I guess you know they, they talk about have you ever won the cup, uh, the cup series. But uh, but then they the next thing they say is have you ever won at Daytona? And any racer who's who's ever done anything wants to win there. And, and it's such a big big accomplishment. And and. You know, great, great for Stenhouse. Great, you know, great for his team. How about Matt Darty? You know, suddenly a successful car owner. Boy, all these young guys. <laughs> or excuse me, Brad Darty. We had Matt Darty on the show, by the way. He's the different. He's the other. I said it right earlier. Brad Darty, the North Carolina player, who was the first pick in, I think, the nineteen. I want to say the nineteen eighty six NBA draft. But I want to look that up before I make that a sports quiz question, Wayne. Okay. Oh. Well, you got to feel for Alabama. That's a tough situation. It really is. It really is. Uh, and, you know, Brandon Miller's a great player, but that's a, a, a horrific thing that occurred, and his role in it 
is significant. And I don't know. I'm not sure, 100% sure what the right answer is, but it does not seem like Alabama is handling it correctly. Yeah, you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, you really do. Everybody's responsible for their own behavior, whether or not it breaks the law per se or whether you can be criminally charged. You still can be in the wrong and, and still need to face consequences for your actions. And certainly uh, I don't think you should get special treatment because you're as talented as Brandon Miller is because he's a fantastic player. But uh, he's also somebody who did something that led to somebody's death. You know, you got a feeling like maybe this woman would still be alive and her kid would still have a mother if he hadn't done what he did. If he just said, no, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. I don't know. It's easy to say that now, but uh, and in hindsight, but he's also a young kid as well as a great player. So uh, it just, you know, it just shows you if you're out there, just you got to be smart. You got to use good judgment and, and you have to know when to say no to somebody, especially at two in the morning when they're asking you to bring you a gun. Yeah, that could ruin your whole whole life. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it can. But I'm not going to let it ruin tonight. And let, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's end on a happy note, Wayne. I'm going to pass you over to Eric so he can get your information and you can uh, tell you exactly how to claim your $30 prize at the oh, Lakeland man. Ale House. So I look forward to seeing you there. I go there on a regular basis. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, appreciate th- it, guys. Appreciate, appreciate you, Wayne. You call us again soon. We'll talk some more sports, man. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thanks. Congratulations to Wayne on winning the prize. Again, uh, thanks again to the counselor, Rusty Franklin, for his keen insight into the legal situation involving Brandon Miller, the Alabama uh, basketball forward. Uh, great player. Likely first-round first pick in the upcoming NBA draft. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Also, thanks, of course, to Holly Kane. Always a great job talking about the racing world and helping us relive that exciting Daytona 500 race from the other day, which was won by Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., Good job knowing that, Wayne. And, of course, Matt McPhail, who uh, opened our show talking about Jade Strong. And we just send out our best once again to Jade Bailey, and we're so thankful that she's doing better. God bless Jade, and thank you for joining us. Ronnie's back next week. We'll see you then in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.